Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Time Out with Denton's podcast. I'm Liz Boyce. I'm a partner in the corporate team in Denton's Australia, and I'm joined by my colleague, Hamish Walton, another partner in our corporate team. G'day, Hamish. Hi, Liz. How are you? Good, thank you. So in the last month, there's been a flurry of capital raising activity on the ASX. Indeed, the financial press reported earlier this week that the ASX had exceeded other markets like New York and London in the dollar amount of secondary capital raising since the beginning of March. And during that time, our regulators have announced various forms of relief for capital raisings. And as we go to record this podcast, the ASX has made some further clarifications to improve the transparency. So, Hamish, what's driving people at the moment as they go to the market for more capital? Liz, it's a really interesting time at the moment in the markets. My understanding is that $8 billion has been raised in recent times via the ASX, which is a a validation, I guess, of the exchange itself and also the reason why companies should list in the first place. Um, In times like this, it's often difficult to access debt markets. Um, and that would be the case here for a lot of sort of smaller and mid-cap type companies and indeed some of the bigger companies that are struggling. So being able to access cash through placements and rights issues on the ASX is, a, is one of the great advantages of being listed. Um, I think that there are really two dynamics at play here in relation to ASX companies, um, listed companies raising money. One is those that are opportunistic and they can see an opportunity, they may have um, a disinfectant or a potential cure or vaccine for the coronavirus, for example, Um, and they want to raise money so that they can take advantage of those opportunities. And those types of raisings are getting away very quickly and doing very well. And then the other side of this is that there are a number of companies that have seen their sales pipeline or, or their supply chain decimated by the virus. And um, as a result, um, are really struggling and need to raise money urgently. And the ASX is a way to do it very, very quickly. Thanks, Amy. That's that's really great context. So uh, you you talked about getting capital raised quickly. One of the factors in in doing that is the time that you need to prepare and validate your offer documents. So how lenient are the regulators being in the current environment with respect to your documentation? I think that's right. The regulators, um, in particular ASIC and the ASX, who are the most relevant here, um, are trying to do all they can to help companies in what's a really difficult environment. It's not a prospectus-free zone in the sense that for certain types of issuance, a prospectus will still be required, and there's no waiver from that. However, there are um, a number of things that uh, ASIC has undertaken in order to make it easier for companies to raise money, and it will permit low-doc offers with no prospectus required under the Corporations Act, provided that a company has not been suspended from trading for more than 10 days in the last 12 months, up from five days, and conditional on no more than a five-day suspension in the 12 months leading up to the up to 19 March 2020. So there's a little bit of leniency there um, from ASIC. The main relief that is assisting companies at the moment um, is in relation to the ASX. Liz, and I think you may have had a question around that. Yeah, so normally if a company's looking to do a placement, they've got a 15% limit. Uh, Anything over that, they need shareholder approval unless they're a smaller entity and they've already got an extra 10% through their last AGM. So what's what's possible now in the current environment? Yes, um, ASX has issued class waiver relief. The usual limitation on the issue of equity 
up to 15% of the company's capital in any 12-month period under Listing Rule 7 um, has been lifted to 25%, which is more relevant for larger companies which can't take advantage of the extra capacity that smaller and mid-cap companies have under Listing Rule 7.1a. ASX has clarified that if you if a company has already used up some of its placement capacity, the recent waivers don't give it an automatic reset. Um, but now, in short, um, listed companies can raise up to 25% of their capital instead of the 15%, which obviously allows them to raise more money. The relief was initially um, tied to ANREO's accelerated non-renounceable entitlement offers and institutional offers with a follow-on SPP or share purchase plan. Um, that relief has now been extended to allow companies to do a placement followed by a standard rights issue. So um, it's, uh, there are a number of different structures that can now take advantage of the waiver. That must be a real boon having that additional placement capacity if you're a company that's really scrambling to improve your working capital or, or build up your balance sheet strength given all of the disruptions that are caused by COVID-19 at the moment. But I can imagine that existing retail shareholders your proverbial mum and dad investors could get left behind in the rush to, to raise capital for your placement. How has ASX responded to that risk? I think ASX has responded to both that and also some complaints from more institutional shareholders around the allocation process for, for placements and um, institutional entitlement offers. In relation to the retail shareholder base, the relief is contingent upon some form of entitlement offer being undertaken, which enables all of the shareholders to participate, whether it's a rights issue or it's a share purchase plan issue where companies are permitted to allow their shareholders to subscribe for up to $30,000 worth of shares under the SPP. And uh, they've also focused on the institutional shareholders, um, the existing institutional shareholders, by focusing on the allocation process to make sure that existing institutional shareholders in any of these offer structures aren't disadvantaged compared to incoming institutional shareholders who don't already have an entitlement. So there's a number of requirements that have been set out around that. And it's effectively a requirement by the ASX for greater transparency in relation to the whole capital raising process in connection with the waivers that have been granted. So that within five business days of any placement occurring, um, a company must announce not only the results of the placement, but provide reasonable details of the company's approach in identifying investors to participate in the placement and how the company determined the respective allocations in the placement. And the idea is to try to keep both uh, in that particular case, the institutional shareholders happy and with the follow-on type offers, the retail shareholders happy. In addition to it, the ASX is requiring um, lodgement of a spreadsheet showing full details of the persons to whom securities have been allocated. So a real emphasis on transparency in those requirements. And clearly there's some fundamentals that presumably haven't changed. If you're, if you're raising capital, you obviously need a compelling and a credible story for the market. I guess people will understand that you might need to raise capital in a hurry because there's so much volatility across pretty much every business sector as a result of COVID-19. But I'm not seeing a free pass to do what you like. Um, obviously, I think you'll agree that there needs to be a sense of how are people going to look back on this with the benefit of hindsight and, and you, you want to keep that long-term view in your capital uh, raising plans. So let's have a look at some of the other recent changes and particularly let's for now focus on there's some changes that are going to help you whether you're raising capital as a matter of emergency or you're simply at a point in your business cycle where you'd be raising capital anyway. 
Now let's talk through some of the other ways in which the ASX is helping companies who are planning to raise capital at the moment. Thanks, Liz. ASX is now allowing back-to-back trading halts for four days, effectively, four trading days for ASX-listed companies, which is useful to allow the company and any brokers or underwriters to arrange the offer, seek commitments, arrange sub-underwritings, that type of thing. So the four days, usually it used to be two, but then now, as long as you apply up front for it, the ASX will give you four trading days to try to coordinate the offer. The ASX is also change the one-for-one limit on rights issues so that offers can effectively be sweetened for existing shareholders. For example, a a six-for-five offer where six are offered for five on issue and these sorts of structures can also be attractive to institutions but again quite a bit of liaison is required with the ASX around that um, to make sure they're comfortable about the motivations behind the capital raising and what the company is doing. Uh, And you know generally speaking um, these types of capital raises will require a good relationship with the ASX. Um, they need to be notified ahead of time in relation to reliance on the waivers. And generally speaking, the company should be explaining the rationale for the for the capital raising. Thanks, Hamish. So even if you're needing to raise capital in a hurry, there needs to be some thought and some planning that goes into it. So people need to bear in mind that those waivers apply to 31 July, but in its recent announcement, The ASX did say that they may withdraw the waivers early. They've reserved that discretion for themselves. They've also uh, reserved the right on a case-by-case basis to withdraw the waiver that would allow companies to exceed the one-to-one cap. So people need to keep an eye on the ASX announcements. The ASX is wanting to keep an eye on just how companies are using these waivers. They don't want people to game the system. So why don't we turn from the technical issues that we've been talking about so far and look at the strategic issues that people need to think through. So Hamish, what things come to mind in terms of strategy for capital raising? I think it's the financial dynamics of the capital raising and some of the legal documentation, which uh, in good times, um, the legal documentation's not really focused on uh, nearly as much as it would be now in a time of crisis like this. So... If there is an underwriter involved, there's obviously going to be a more intense negotiation around market fall clauses and underwriting agreements, um, material adverse change, force majeure type clauses, and they need to be tailored more to deal with a specific COVID-19 situation. And it's quite interesting in Australia and New Zealand, you know, things seem to have stabilised a bit in relation to COVID-19. And so I think you'll see new clauses evolving around the new situation, which is we have this problem. However, it seems to be manageable at the moment and under control. And the sorts of provisions that would be negotiated is to what extent, if there is a deterioration from the current position, that would entitle an exit from the relevant agreements. Counterparty risk generally in dealing with um, some institutions, this sort of thing is looked at a lot more closely in the current market, given the struggles that many people, including some large organisations, are having in the marketplace and having access to ready cash. I think companies and people associated with listings need to focus a little bit more than they ordinarily would on the due diligence process, not only from a legal risk perspective, but also a reputational perspective to make sure that the amount of money raised is the correct amount and the viability of the company is preserved if it's a distress raising. And also, I think companies need to think a lot more about the Foreign Investment Review Board and its role in any potential capital raising 
rights issues generally are, are exempted from the FERB process. However, outside of those types of structures, the thresholds in sectors have been reduced to zero. So I think in any capital raising now that goes ahead, the new requirements of the Foreign Investment Review Board, which are connected to the coronavirus crisis, are relevant. Those are great points. Thanks, Hamish. And I'd add to those a few other fundamentals. The first one is getting the offer structure right first up. So taking some time to think about what's the right balance between placement and then whether you're going to do an entitlement issue or a share purchase plan. So you've thought that all through and how it's going to look to the market and your current shareholders. Remembering that those basic rules on offer documents haven't changed. So if, for example, you decide you want to offer some unlisted options alongside an entitlement offer as a bit of a sweetener, you're still going to need a transaction-specific prospectus. That's going to take some time to prepare, so factor that in. And just back to that point of considering the optics of how much opportunity you're giving to retail shareholders and even your current institutional shareholders versus new people coming onto your register. So that's a, an overview of the key waivers that are available to people as they're raising capital on the ASX and some of the strategic fundamentals that they need to work through as they plan their capital raising. Now, our team have been involved in a few capital raisings already for ASX-listed companies since the COVID-19 crisis erupted, and I'm sure there'll be more to come. So any final comments, Hamish? I think the key things that listed companies need to be aware of is to maintain quality records for access, keep filings up to date, and keep the board and key advisors on standby. Time is often of the essence in these kind of matters and it will make the due diligence process, particularly for the relevant due diligence committee, a lot easier if those records are up to date and ready to hand. I think it's really important to have the institutional shareholders on side early on in the process, quickly identify if it's possible and sometimes the market's changing so quickly and things are escalating so quickly that it, it's not always possible to do this. But to, as soon as you can, identify early on what will be a successful offer structure. Keep the shareholder base informed so that there are no surprises. And I think probably most importantly, always keep in mind, if you can, because sometimes these things are, have a great urgency associated with them, the longer term picture, because no doubt a number of people will go back and look at the relevant raisings that have occurred um, during the COVID-19 crisis and potentially be quite critical or of the company and the way it managed the process, similar to what happened with the GFC, where there was a lot of ex post facto analyses done of the raisings undertaken then. So I think the board of a listed company always needs to be cognizant of the fact that whatever they do now will at some stage be scrutinized when things calm down a bit. Um, and so need, they need to take a very careful and measured approach to these types of capital raisings. Oh, thanks, Hamish. And it's been great to have this conversation with you and talk through these issues. Thanks to everyone who's listening to this. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us if you'd like to talk through any of the points that we've made in this podcast. Please stay connected and above all, please stay well. Thank you.